Yeah, I would quit. This is What the Flock Radio's Birds of a Feather. We are an indie music-focused show rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Our thematic submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you, while our fascinating, fun features fluster, flummox, fulfill, and thrill you. Now, who am I? Well, that's an excellent question. And sometimes I might think, well, does it even matter? But I guess, you know what? Because I'm a co-host of this, it does. So I'm the vocalist for the rock band Ascent. That's A-S-N-T. And you can find us on your favorite music platforms by searching ASNT and ASNT Rocks. So why is that important? Because it's a huge part of who I am and it's what I do and it's what drives me to do a show about indie artists because I am an indie artist, as is David, also known as Professor Pea Soup to you folks. But to me, he's David. Now, before we get to who David is, I'm going to do my who dat. As I do. So play along with me at home. And David, let's see if you can get this one. This is a toughie, I think. Mm -hmm. I almost starred in the film Seven. I'm a huge fan of Rocky Horror Picture Show. I named my band by selecting randomly in a dictionary. We were almost named Cans of Piss. (laughs) I gave myself a hernia in the groin by trying to hit difficult notes while on tour. I've launched my own production house called Single Cell, which released Bing John Malkovich. I frequented the Wuck Street record shop where I met a future bandmate. I opened for Patti Smith in New York in 2014. My band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007, and I am the godfather of Francis Bean Cobain. Oh, gee. Um... (laughs) If you get this, you're like a god. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for if that one this, clue to drop. That was it. That um, I'm thinking Dave Grohl. That's a you know? very good guess. Because I, none of those, I'm waiting for that one thing. Oh, I know that story. Total mystery to me, which means it's probably from after the Stone Age. But um, uh, Dave Grohl was as close as I got. Who is it? That's a very good guess. No, it's Michael Stipe. From REM. Oh, I was going to say, because Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I figured, uh, actually, I actually don't know if Nirvana's in there or not, but I kind of thought they might be. Yeah, actually, but I don't know that I don't either. know either, but uh, so... Uh, no, REM, they are in there. So REM is there. then? Yes. Okay, well, that, co- that covers Mr. Stipe, Nirvana too. is. Nirvana I can't remember who I can inducted never remember, them, yeah. but yeah. All right, so that was kind of fun, but now that we know who I am and we played my little game, who are you? Oh, me. Well, I'm uh, Professor P. Soup, uh, international rock legend, radiant savant, amateur wildlife photographer, the original Dum Dum Boy, the head of the Order of the Brotherhood of the Immaculate Edit, and if you missed it, I'm the one who said, just grab them in the biscuits. Oh, that was you? Yeah, well, I cannot tell a lie. Actually, that was Shock G via his alter ego, Humpty Hump. From Digital Underground. Digital Underground, because as whack, in a reference to the song, Do What You Like. So uh, as whack as my lyrics uh, can be, however, though, I do stop short of promoting sexual battery, which is what that is. Oh, boomer. So, folks, be sure you obtain the proper consent before engaging in any biscuit grabbing. That's true. That's right. I agree. (laughs) You know, it was the 90s, you could say that shit, but, you know. Sage words. Yeah, sage words, yeah. So now that the on-air talent is assembled... Let's uh, let's create a little content. She, she laughed at me for calling myself on her talent. Well, that's what we are. I, I yeah. And producers. So let's uh, create a little content here. 
that's one thing you really can't get wrong. You know, anything you put out there, whatever rubbish, it's still content. So it's hey, we don't put <laughs> not out saying, rubbish. Not saying we're rubbish. Yeah. We just don't grab people in the biscuit. So let the uh, drudgery commence, and the biscuit grabbing. Uh, There's no drudgery. Be on hold, you know. There's no drudgery. Oh, does that mean I have to do something? Uh, but you just did something. Boy, I already had to talk. That's not fair. See, I'm trying to conserve my voice. I, I, you notice I didn't talk to you over dinner. I didn't squander my voice talking to you over dinner because I don't want to be hoarse for the folks and have to resort to Morse code. That would be a drag. And uh, you know what? I don't know why my voice is bad, but I, there's something I never told you. Every other Saturday night before we do the show on Sunday, I I sing in a band. Okay, I, mm. I sing in a Cannibal Corpse tribute band. Oh, excellent. And I'm wondering if maybe that... Has a, an, an effect on my voice, singing Maybe. death metal, know. you know? Maybe. Uh, I mean, but it's a short set. We open with um, uh, Fucked With a Knife, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I Come Blood. Perfect. Uh, meat Hook Sodomy. That's and then as a rousing encore, the old crowd pleaser, Hammer Smashed Face. Excellent. That's only four songs, though. Yeah, but it's but you really give it your all, you I'm know, sure. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. one of them might have to go. Yeah, the I show think... or the Cannibal Corpse Tribute Band. I, I know what I would recommend. Yeah. Ditch, um, ditch the band, right? Yeah, I'm going to say ditch the yeah. band. I'm sorry. I it's mean, only I... covers. We're not creating yeah. content. That's true. This There's, is, this is this creating is content. This is creating content. That's yeah, correct. Now, the, some of the listeners are going like, boy, that's pretty messed up shit he made up there. No, no, those are actual song those titles. Those are actual song titles. <laughs> those yeah. really are. The, the, they the are. good part is, if you happen to be forced somehow through some uh, mind control program to listen to Cannibal Corpse, you won't be able to understand any of the words anyway. Thank God. You know, and don't don't look them up, please. But anyway, so I think this is the part where I'm supposed to restate the theme, and I'm looking right at it and going, where's the theme? It is. A, this is a theme in and of itself where uh, it's not a cop-out at all. We're just, uh, we're just being pliant in your hands. That's all. Submitted tracks. You send in your tracks, and we're sifting through them. We are sifting through them as fast as we can. <laughs> Snicker. That means Christina. This show includes post-hardcore, pop, dark indie punk, and new punk. And uh, my uh, my coagulated 61-year-old blood is uh, pumping at the very thought of that. That sounds like a hell of an exciting show. So 90 minutes of me babbling, and uh, it's worth it to hear five great songs, as you will. Well, I don't know if it's just you babbling unless you've cut me out of the whole deal. Is it just me? Is no, it just... you always tell me to, but you don't babble enough. Uh, I, oh, I'll work on that. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Finchworthy slang, which is what we do every time. So for this every show feature, we are challenged to use the selected slang or word phrase as much as possible throughout the show, whether it makes sense or not. And this time it's one you know. Oh, a good one. It is Stan. Stan. Yes. So this is a combination of stalker and fan. If you stand someone, it means you're obsessed, but not in a creepy way. Not in a creepy way. Oh, yeah. Not in a creepy way. So stan. So uh, there are certainly some things that I stan about, I will say, uh, throughout this show. So I think you you are a huge stan. I'm a total stan for a number of, uh, of uh, ladies. That's true. But um, you see, and it's pretty much always ladies, uh, I won't be stan for the, the artists are listening to the show saying, should I tune that now, you know, for, for so I can sleep at night? Uh, I'm not going to be standing for any of the artists on the show tonight because I'm not familiar with them yet. Right. That will come later and you won't be aware of it. But you could start <laughs> to stand during the show. During, Yeah, but it, it won't you really, won't, I won't say anything. You're not, but you, but you have to use the word stan. If I if I start standing, okay. yeah, come on, we got to do it anyway. Well, during this bird banter, of which we were actually going to have one this time, which we don't normally have a lot of bird banter, it's but it's been a while. It's here, so you may find that you stand about quite a few things here. So I just uh, want to prepare you. You prepared? Uh, yeah. All right, excellent. So this is 
something that I decided I wanted to do is interesting, weird, and potentially arguable facts about music. So about music itself. About okay. music. So we'll see if you know the answer, can guess the answer, or are completely wowed by wowed. the answer. Yes. What was that? Wow. Exactly. So, are you ready? I'm ready. I've, okay. I've been wowed so many times tonight. It's the, the, the one of the previous winging. We recorded two shows tonight already. Yes, winging it wowed me in, in a, a number of ways. Right? Are you standing over over bird banter yet? Um, no, not yeah. I'm not. I'm not at the stalk. I'm not at the stalker face. Okay. Yet. Well, we'll see if you get there. All right. So the first thing is, what artist hosted the largest ever free concert? Largest ever free concert. Free. So was this artist, um, like, it was a, a number of bands playing, and this artist was the headliner? No. Oh. So, oh. Okay, I'm going to go with um, Simon and Garfunkel in uh, Central Park. It is so funny you say that. That is the first thing that came to mind, but the answer is no. It's wow. going to shock you. Are you ready? Yeah. Rod Stewart in 1993 on New Year's Eve on Copacabana Beach in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Guess how many people were there? I'm going to say 120,000. 4.2 million. 4.2 million. That is the largest ever free concert. 4.2 million people were in attendance. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that was probably the largest concert ever. I well, mean, free concert. I no, think there I, I don't think anyone's ever well, had a pay concert for a well, crowd if you that big. Think about like Woodstock and stuff. Yes. So I think the free is key here because Woodstock, I don't know how many people were there, but those kinds of concerts, even the newer Woodstocks that came out. Yeah. So I don't know, but that is the largest free concert which shocked the shit out of me. Me too. I had not I, I was never would have guessed. I never. thought it was Simon and Garfunkel right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. So the next one, what is the catchiest song of all time? Hmm, this sounds like something subjective, but... Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, catchiest song of all I time. I said arguably. <laughs> arguably. Well, but you mean besides Walking on Sunshine? No, I don't know. Um, That's a good guess. Yeah. Very good guesses. Uh, Educated guesses by the professor. I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah, um, but it, oh, it is sort of a... Sub unless this is something that appears on some kind of list or proclamation where people say, this is the... So -and, -so, and I, well, nothing rings a bell about that. It has been... There has been uh, actual scientific work done behind oh, this. Okay. Oh, we have, oh, we have studies on this. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know, though. Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Oh, well. Duh. Yeah, People of course. People recognize it in 2.3 seconds, which is way below the five-second average. Oh, yeah. You hear the... Well, even, yo. even without <laughs> yo, I'll tell you what I want, the riff itself... Which is interesting because it contains the exact same notes as the Mission Impossible theme, only the phrasing is different. Mm. Exactly the same. Uh, but I'm not surprised by it's that. It's so recognizable. Uh, even without the, even the instrumental check, you go, oh, yeah, Spice Girls, wannabe. Love the Spice Girls, as I've said a million times. And, uh, yeah, I, that's pretty irresistible. But a lot of their stuff really gets under my skin. I'm sorry. Yeah, none of them are catchiest of all time. But no, that no. one is. So... This is an interesting one. Stop right now. Thank you very much. I mean, you know, there's a lot of songs of theirs. Yeah. Which European country has the most metal bands per capita? Oh, no. Metal. It's it's this Nordic death metal Viking shit. Uh, no, no offense. But it's a, there's a lot of bands. No, it's the dark. It's the black metal. Black metal. I'm going to go with Sweden. That is an excellent guess, and that is the same guess I had. It is Finland. Uh, With 53.5 metal bands per 100,000 people. Wow. 
That's a lot of fucking bands. So it's just like every, you know, every family has someone in the I guess band. so. It's kind of like here, either you're an actor, actress, or you're in a band. That's it. The, the, what do you call it? The Scandinavia, that whole Scandinavian area over there. They <laughs> love their, their black metal. You know? Well, second place, to your point, is a tie between Sweden and Norway at 27.2 metal bands per capita. I knew Sweden had to be in there. And know? then, because, again, arguably, some people say that metal was began in the United States. I know that that is arguable, but that's some of the stuff that I saw out there. The United States and the UK are 5.5 and 5.2, respectively. Wow. So we don't have a whole bunch of metal band rep here. We're not repping, you know. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Another interesting thing is how many instruments did Prince play on his debut album? And I mean instruments. There's Some are real and some are uh, used as instruments. Mm, but they're real instruments. I'm going to go with about nine. 27. 27. That was close. So... <laughs> That's <laughs> a multiple of nine. Yeah. Excellent. So here we go. On his For You album, he's saying all vocals played electric guitar, acoustic guitar, bass, bass synth, singing bass, fuzz bass, electric piano, acoustic piano, mini moog, poly moog, arp string ensemble, arc piano, I'm sorry, arc pro soloist, operheim, four voice, a clavinet, drums, synth drums, water drums, slapsticks, bongos, congas, finger cymbals, wind chimes, orchestral bells, wood blocks, bush trap, Tree bell, hand claps, and finger snaps. Okay, so basically, guitar, bass, drums, keys, percussion. <laughs> and a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah, but all of which comes under the keys or percussion uh, <laughs> heading. So, but he did play, tw he did but it all himself. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I will put anything down there. I, I have it out on my album credits, Glockenspiel. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Glockenspiel, how ridiculous. You have a Glockenspiel? I had a Glockenspiel, and I recorded it, and I did put it on a song before I get rid of it. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, I put all that shit, too, so I don't blame him for listing 20, was it 7? 27. 27. See, I said 9. Apparently, the mic failed when I said times 3. So uh, I, I didn't hear that So part. I knew that. Yeah. So how many of the Beatles could read and write music? I don't think any of them could. That's correct. None. <laughs> it just came to them, and they wrote it down. A lot of people are shocked by that. They thought, oh, well, it's just Paul McCartney. You know, none of them. No, no. Although so, he, for some reason, I guess because he's the most successful songwriter, he's the one that people always point to. He doesn't know anything about music. That's like something you can always throw in the music snobs' faces. You know, it's like, well, Paul McCartney doesn't know anything either. Right? Exactly. He doesn't know, and look at him. You know, and you could do that whole like, look at him. So, and even even if I did know all kinds of theory, and if I knew if I could read music, everything, I still wouldn't be Paul McCartney. So, who would? Why yeah. don't I just come on? You know. We'll just do what we do, and we'll yeah. see what happens. So, the last little tidbit that I'll share with you is. Interesting and shocking. What is the most expensive music instrument sold, and for how much? Well, I'm thinking it's probably a, you know a Stradivarius uh, cello or something, um, just because it's bigger than a Stradivarius violin. I'll, I'll say a Stradivarius violin, and I'll say 2.3 million. Very good. A Lady Blunt Stradivarius violin sold for 15.9 million dollars. I was close again. <laughs> You weren't fucking close at all. And they all have... You know how I know Stradivari, Stradivari all have names? I saw it in a James Bond movie. You learn a lot of shit in James Bond movies. Timothy Dalton says it. So are you saying that I'm daft because I don't watch James Bond? No, no. I'm just oh, saying okay. I would be even more ignorant than I... I would be more ignorant than I am if I didn't watch James Bond. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Dalton says... It's a, it's a Stradivarius. They all have names. I just he's awesome, man. Lady Blunt. Lady Blunt. So anyway, it sounds like something that sounds like some gangster rapper's reference to a joint or something. You know, that's true. Yeah. You could start calling anybody out there who uh, smokes weed. Go ahead and just call it a Lady Blunt. 
<clears throat> All right. Well, that was it for Bird Banter. Just a few little interesting, hopefully interesting tidbits about music that are, you know, arguable in some respects and just cold, hard fucking facts in other respects. So anyway, I hope that was a little fun foray into uh, music shit. And now, because we like to get right to it these days, we're going to listen to our first artist. And the band's name is Violet. And the song is New Dawn. They are post Hardcore. And so this is a four piece female fronted Australian band from Sydney, and they released their debut single, which is this single in August 2022. And thank you for sending that in to us, Violet. We are very excited to play it here. So let's listen in.
that was Violet and the song New Dawn. Now, the interesting thing, and I told you before we went off to listen to it, but this is their debut track. I mean, they're a pretty new band, but they're actually kind of lighting things on fire. So what did you think, sir? Well, yeah, it was very, uh, very strong. And, and I, I was ho- I'm hoping a lot of the artists tonight don't do two things. They're, they're not theatrical and they don't sing spectrally because you're going to be forcing me to say the same, <laughs> the shit, same shit I always say. <laughs> However, they did start. It starts out very strong, very common. That's a word I use a lot, too. But there is a, it, it really takes balls to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's very. First of all, we want to apologize to the band for uh, Christina pronouncing your name wrong. I'm quite sure it's Violetta. Do you think? <laughs> no, oh it, 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 it might be, though. However, <laughs> that, we're. we're Taking our best shot, I think it's Violetta myself. Whatever, uh, but it's because uh, you're snooty. You choose to be like, snooty. It totally faked me out at first. It, it started with this sort of like prog pop thing, uh, like Ten CC, like Super Tramp, kind of you know radio friendly, but uh, you know very high minded, you know. And then it uh, suddenly there's this howl, the vocal howl, <laughs> yeah. and a, just a percussive battery. And uh, <laughs> absolutely, uh, <laughs> I put here the percussion, right? Damn, uh, and the vocal, and I, I believe it's the same singer, yes, uh, is I going back so. between like this, you know, really radio friendly rock vocal thing, yes, and very melodic, the guttural growl, yes. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of prone to that, I'm kind of a uh, uh, biased kind of towards that. Uh, I yeah, know you are, and the vocal, and uh, I, I never get the words the first time, only a general feel because i'm listening to so many things and everything right but there's there's this urgency there and this plaintive uh tone to it that really kind of makes it relatable and i really dig that little break there where it's like well there's this spoken word this male spoken word thing you know and it sounds almost like radio tv kind of thing it's like you know phased a little bit removed uh it it a lot of it has a kind of an evanescent sort of feel to it a little bit and uh it after that break it comes back ends really strong with the uh, the big voice the big boom and uh, it's a, a very impressive track. A nice, uh, nicely done, Violetta. Yeah, I love the, the melodic. I think the growl was pretty melodic as well, which I really like. And then oh, the yeah. harmonies yeah, came this is in. Not, not Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. No, I really, I really like it. I liked that it just kind of kicked the shit out of me the second it started, and then that percussion, like you said, just came in and beat the shit out of me again. It's chaotic and powerful. I like that there's a certain level of chaos in there, right? And I don't know what's coming next, which is great because I hate it when songs have a a formula fill, right? I don't like that. But I love female vocals in general, but certainly on post-hardcore music, I so dig it. It's something that you don't expect, sadly, but I want us to make it more common. And people like this band are doing just that. I think it's accessible yet turbulent. And I think sometimes that's really hard to to get to. Um, and it's got a lot of a lot of smart sounds and a lot of smart use of not only vocals, um, you know, again, from the spoken word part, but then also just a good use of going from one kind of movement to the next. I really liked it. Um, and I think the great thing about it is it may change, change people's mind about post-hardcore if they hear this, because, again, that accessibility is there where in some other post-hardcore it is not accessible. So... I was totally excited. I'm so happy that we received this track as a submission. Please keep sending them in, not only this band, but all bands. I mean, you're hearing this. You have friends in bands. Tell them to submit. We listen to every single submission. She does. And uh, I loved this track. I thought it was great. And if you liked it too, or loved it, go to Facebook and you can find them at We Are Violette, which is V-I-O-L-E-T-T-E. So I say look them up, follow them. Force peace, force peace. Let me try that again. 
a four-piece band from Australia. Love it. And you know what? We may have another band from Australia coming up later through no fault of my own this time. Uh, I know that's weird because we did a whole Melbourne. We did a whole Melbourne. Exactly. Good day. We did. Yeah. I knew you were going to have to do that. <laughs> they're they're going to stop listening because we do that. They know. Don't say Bob's your uncle. That's We're done. They're going to. They'll be gathering evidence for a class action. They really will. All right. Well, I now turn it over to you, David, to do an amazing thing called Hawkward Lyrics. Yeah, about that. Uh, this is the part that will come to be known as Featuregate, where despite the fact that I have already done a very lengthy uh, History Strikes Back, I'm still being called upon to do a feature. Not just one feature, two features. Do not apologize for it. Just, you own it. Own uh, it. No, 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 I'm not apologizing. I'm. I'm uh, this is a grievance. You know? <laughs> wow, you picked this. All right. Uh, I did. Well, yeah, that, that you let me do anyway, you know. Hey, pick, pick your poison. That's right. All right, and this is Hawk Word Lyrics, and I was allowed to choose it. Uh, and for this feature, we weigh in on nonsensical, strange, crazy, or bullshit song lyrics. And uh, hmm, Those are plentiful. Those are plentiful, are they not? <laughs> yes, they are. So many. And I just want to make sure you all know that he's allowed to pick whatever he wants. He's only elected to start picking recently. Yeah, well, back in the beginning, she she assigned him. Our collective bargaining unit uh, <laughs> got the, us. The union, you've yeah, unionized. The, the union of one <laughs> got uh, got well, us uh, got us a little uh, bargaining juice. Yeah, so the we on-air talent has been giving me some grief on the side. Yeah, on-air talent. Sometimes on-air talent uh, got to you know clash a little bit. <laughs> anyway, awkward lyrics. So, what would you get if you threw a dictionary into a wood chipper? Oh shit! Well. You'd either get a Wiz Khalifa lyric or my escape mental patient notes, a.k.a. the canned narrative that I'll be using to try to navigate this feature. So right, be gentle with me because I'm at the mercy of my fickle scribe dictation, and I will try not to subject you to his foolishness. I'll try and edit it on the fly here. Uh, anyway, so the song. Now, me, I'm a God-fearing man, and I have no truck with the devil, but... Within certain parameters, the subject of the diabolical one can make for a clever and entertaining lyric, on occasion. Uh, with certain parameters, which means, like, I'm not a fan of Venom, for example. Uh, but there are a number of fine songs which even feature the Prince of Darkness in the first person as the narrator, such as Alice Cooper's I'm the Coolest, Black Sabbath's NIB, and Lord of This World. And, of course, a timeless classic by their satanic majesties, the Rolling Stones. Of course, I mean Sympathy for the Devil, but this time the narrator is not Satan himself, but merely someone who likes to party with him. And I can't think of a better way to start off an album recorded in Jamaica called Goat's Head Soup with a charming insert photo of that very special dish and adorned with creepy-ass pictures of the band members wrapped in nylon than with a song called Dancing with Mr. D. Every note, every syllable, every sound effect, every dubbed-in scream is pitch perfect for taking you outside of anything like the normal world. And this is not one of those relatable songs at all. Boo-hoo, you broke my heart. Or let's go out and party and rock and roll and get laid. Nah. Wasting no time in establishing the creep factor, the first line gives you an indication of what you're in for. Well, down in the graveyard where we have our trysts. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have trysts in graveyards myself. I never did, actually. And this is clearly not some teenage shagging situation. Witness the entire first verse, and we'll see if Dancing with Mr. D warrants the label of crazy-ass lyric necessary to land it in this feature. 
Well, down in the graveyard where we have our tryst, the air smells sweet, the air smells sick. He never smiles, his mouth merely twists. The breath in my lungs feels clinging and thick. But I know his name, he's called Mr. D. And one of these days he's going to set you free. Human skulls is hanging right round his neck. The palms of my hands is clammy and wet. Lord, I was dancing, 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 so free. Repeat, repeat. Dancing, Lord, keep your hand off me, dancing with Mr. D. I mean, damn, dude. You're, Holy uh, fucking fuck. shit. I know. It's like, ah, uh, what the fuck? Oh, my and you, God. And to hear the music of it. Dude, your idea of a Friday night celebration is pretty out there, okay? And I can hear the backing vocals with Mr. D in my head now. It is just freaky. <clears throat> just how twisted and all-consuming is their embrace of evil comes in verse 2. Will it be poison put in my glass, or will it be slow, or will it be fast? The bite of a snake, the sting of a spider, a drink of belladonna on a Toussaint night, hiding in a corner in New York City, looking down a 44 in West Virginia. Now, apparently our batshit crazy friend doesn't seem deterred by the prospect of a violent, horrible, and perhaps even protracted death. But very cleverly, the lyric shifts back because those things from verse 2 are, relatively speaking, rather pedestrian. Dying of poison, getting shot, unremarkable locations. Well, I don't know how you're going to die. Seems yeah, less pedestrian than one might think. I don't but, know. But we started out in a graveyard, and I mean, now that, I mean, was, that could happen anywhere. That is straight up fucked but up. Of course, the first, and we're still there. The first one. Uh, we're getting the nightmarish momentum started in the first verse. The third and final chapter stuns us with its most horrifying imagery, courtesy of some masterfully evocative writing. There's no getting around that. A grimacing devil with a human skull necklace... That's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood compared to this next bit. That's some voodoo shit That's some voodoo shit, and it gets worse. (laughs) One night I was dancing with a lady in black, wearing black silk gloves and a black silk hat. She looked at me longing with black velvet eyes. She gazed at me strange, all cunning and wise. And it's like, wait for this. I saw the flesh just fall off her bones, the eyes in her skull was burning like coals. Lord have mercy, fire and brimstone. I was dancing with Mistress D. Mistress D now. Mm. And, you know, the, t- the song takes its time fading out with many refrains of dancing, dancing in those uh, haunting voices. And all of Mick Taylor's guitar noodling only adds to the voodoo-like trance, whereas you would expect it to, like, normalize the whole affair, but it doesn't. And you would never picture a band in a studio while listening to this track. It's not what you think. It's as if you're witnessing the frightful scene. Fuck, where are it's as if you're witnessing the frightful proceedings at just safe enough distance where you can cut and run. And at one review described it as a funk-induced song, but it, it really owes a lot more to voodoo than anything else. The only thing funky about it is the smell of the graveyard air. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a funk track at all. It smells sick. Sweet and sick. Yuck. And ever since the 70s, I've been playing this song before going out to a rock show, and I have the slightest idea why. You know, it, it seems so <laughs> counterintuitive. But I always do. Even when I went to see Ascent last week. Oh, my. That hey. was very nice. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for being the there. Brian Pitt returned for Ascent at the Doll Hut, the very place where we met. Yes. Almost, um, what, four years? Oh, wow. Uh, three and a half years ago. Three and a half years close ago. Close to three and a half years yes. ago. Yes. And uh, same place we met. And uh, first show in a long time. And I was there. And it was, Hell, uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty badass. You it know? was badass. Had a great night. Three uh, Stayed for three bands. They were just terrific. Hell, yeah. Now, I'm not encouraging you in any way to have concourse with the devil, but I really do recommend this song for a bit of spooky fun. Hell yeah. And I think it's, and I think it's a stroke of real genius where it goes next. Because one thing that makes a great song even better is placement. 
album order is such an art. It Absolutely. really is. I would say this all the time. This is, and this is a superb example. From a wholesale embrace of evil to a longing for purity, from that ghastly freak show that we just saw into my all-time favorite Rolling Stones song, Bar None, 100 years ago, which is very human, very relatable tune, consisting of the musings of a man saddled with adult responsibilities, unlike me, uh, wistfully recalling the simplicity and innocence of youth. Well, that's why the other one is fucking awkward, because that is some awkward shit. But this next one is normal. Right. That's what I'm saying. That just, yep, I and, like and it. the main focus is the awkwardness, which is totally awkward. It is so awkward. But to go from that and to go into the second verse of 100 years ago, Mary and I, we would sit upon a gate, just gazing at some dragon in the sky. What tender days we had no secrets hid away. What seemed about a hundred years ago. Now all my friends is wearing worried smiles, living out a dream of what day it was. Don't you think it's sometimes wise not to grow up? I mean, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's not awkward. No, it's so beautiful, but coming after Mr. D, it's just the, fantastic. Yeah, the really fucked up stuff. Poignant and easygoing tune, but which still twice breaks into a bunch of unleashed screaming and wild guitar solos for some reason. Now, the, the rest of the album doesn't follow at all in Mr. D's footsteps. In fact, most of it is... Pretty normal and about reasonable matters, uh, even though there's a sort of mystic quality to a couple. And uh, side one even ends with that weepy relationship standard, Angie, of all things. And no doubt you know that one. But I fear many of you Utes and younger folks out there, uh, the, your idea of the Stones is, if you stop me up, I'll never stop. I mean, that kind of thing. And I'll never be a beast of burden and so forth. But uh, believe me, this is a phenomenal band. It's turned out some incredibly shrewd tunes with razor-sharp lyrics. If you beat the bushes a bit, figuratively speaking, just don't actually go out stumbling off in the beaten path and accidentally break in on somebody's tryst, okay? Ew. Take it away, kid. That is some serious awkward shit. I uh, have heard that song, but I never... Uh dove into the lyrics and they're awkward as fuck but i like that kind of dark weird shit so reminds me of the poetry i wrote in my youth so oh that's scary <laughs> yeah but i didn't write about like doing anything you know sexual in a in a graveyard i did not that's that's good to yeah know. so it's good well from that to a band called oratique or oratech i don't know oratique I have no idea. My my take was Oratech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know about your take, um, but I like it. The song's name is Paradigm, which I love, and they are new punk. They're a five-piece female-fronted Australian band that released their debut single in October 2022. They're also from Sydney, so I have a feeling that Violet or Violet also... <laughs> the, the two unpronounceable bands... You probably play together a lot. <laughs> um, so absolutely a great, great track. Again, I cannot wait for you to hear this, David. Again, another one that's going to kick your ass. I don't.
So that was a kick-ass fucking track called Paradigm. I am telling you, this singer's voice kicks so much ass, I can't even handle it. I mean, in the delicate, quiet parts, it's perfect. In the loud, screamy parts, it's perfect. I love, there's like a doubling of vocals at the very beginning, and then that screaminess, then these harmonies. The percussion and the bass are so fucking tight, I can't even handle it. The screams, the guitar, the synthy sounds that are that is weaving itself throughout this entire track. And I am just, I am over the moon about the break, and then the kick back in, and then there's screamy vocals, and it's just perfect there. And then I thought, oh, well, shit, this track could not get any more perfect. And then the very end, the airy and creepy break at the end that allows this singer the space and the the time and the freedom to just break out and do what she does best. I am an absolute stan for this band. I'm telling you right now, I am seriously fucking standing. Yeah, yeah, definite case of standing here too because first I want to thank uh the Oratech vocals for not uh, not being spectral and not making me say that. And not making me say theatrical either, although that kind of is true. Uh, she used a phrase there a couple times that I, my first reaction, because um, we were switching over to the speaker, and all of a sudden it started to blast, and I said, wow, that's pretty ass-kicky, you know, which is exactly what it does. It, it barrels along with this, like, Metallica-like ferocity for a while, but then the vocal, it's like, uh, for anyone who's ever seen the footage of the rehearsal, which actually worked out, of Metallica with Lady Gaga doing uh, Moth into Flame, for the Grammys, that's that gave us a hunger for her to do that kind of thing, for her to put out a hard rock album. And that's this is what we imagine it might sound like, because it's it is melodic, but it's metally as all fuck, and she does even turn on the growl occasionally. Mostly the vocal is clear and beautiful and so strong, but the growl comes out once in a while, and it reaches a pitch that's absolutely frightening. But then, the as if to strip it away to show us this real beautiful song here, just like uh, you know, seeing Nirvana unplugged or something, the uh, instrumental brutality just falls away and allows her, as you said, the end to do this kind of like Broadway aria ending thing. And you go, wow, that was like a really masterful way to wrap this thing up. Extremely impressed. Total Stan uh, situation happening here with the Oratech, I assume, and Paradigm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful work. Absolutely. I just... You know, as a female vocalist, uh, that's one of those where you hear her sing and I'm like, oh, shit. Again, to quit or not to quit, that is the question. <laughs> when you hear a singer that good, you go, well, fuck. But I am just totally standing. I will always be standing. Please continue to send in your tracks. We love, you know, new punk, post-hardcore. We love it all. So send it on in. So thank you so much. You can find them, because um, I know you're going to want to. You can find them on Facebook at A. U-R-A-T-E-Q-U-E-S-Y-D for Sydney. So, my God. Okay. I need a break from all kinds of kick-ass music because I just can't handle it. I'm going to be standing so damn hard. Now we go to a feature that I know you all love, and it's called Various Songbirds. And for this feature, we name lines from songs to see if we can stump each other. And this time, I go first. And this is a lightning round. We always do lightning rounds because we don't want you all to fall asleep. So are you ready? Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering if uh, oats are going to be felt on either side. Hmm. You had a real clobbering spree winning streak last time. We shall see. Okay. It won't be long, yes, till you're alone, when your lover, oh, he hasn't come home. 
And why is that? It's because he's loving, touching, squeezing. Hell yeah. Hell uh, yeah. Journey, the boys of Journey. Nice choice. That's a... Fucking that song lo- is so wicked, But I love man. Journey, man. Yeah, I mean, man. come on. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good one. Good yeah, one. Yeah, right. Wow. Good one. And, uh, you know, lyric, don't feel bad. I mean, we all have these distinct things that don't stick in our heads that we just don't retain. And with you, it's song lyrics. Hmm. And with me, it's uh, pretty much anything relevant, you know. Interesting. Although I, I can learn relevant things and remember them for decades if they're presented in song lyrics. Like now, it. I will say the only problem that I have with that is that you pick song lyrics I would not know to bands I hardly know. You do know them, though. You don't know I know them. them, but that doesn't mean I know every fucking word of every fucking song if they're from the 70s. All right. Yeah, I, do, no, we'll I see. do believe you'll get all of these. All right, I'm Another excited. perfect winning streak like last time. You know, I would say that these were, were given to you like prizes in a Cracker Jack box, but tearing the cardboard and digging past the candy-coated popcorn and peanuts would actually be much more challenging than this is going to be. So, all right, here we go. All right. You know I work all day to get you money to buy you things, and it's worth it just to hear you say you're going to give me everything. So why on earth should I moan? Because when I get you alone, you know I feel okay. Sounds kind of familiar. I shouldn't do this band. For some reason, you, oh, I, we always stump you on this one, and I'm not Sounds trying to. very... I mean, when I'm home, everything seems to be right. When I'm home, feeling you holding me tight. Tight, yeah. Shit. When mm. I'm home, everything seems to be right. When I'm home... Feeling you holding me tight. It's Beatles. Tight, yeah. It's been a hard day's hard night. Day's night. Yeah. Sorry, I really, really, really thought you'd get that one. Yeah, I I mean, I know the basic lyrics to that song, but I don't know every lyric to every... I know you're a huge Beatles fan, and I am too, but not. I don't lyrically delve into every song like that. But yeah, that, I probably should have got that, but I just don't know them. So sorry. That's all right. No problem. That's the name of the game. All right. Now, I picked ones I thought you would know. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> mm-hmm. Heard that before. Your, a- your accuracy so. in this estimation is, uh, is hmm. obviously superior. So, brother thought his wife must have left town. So he went home and finally found the only thing daddy had left him, and that was a gun. Uh-oh. I think you got me. I think this is your revenge. Uh, brother what? What did brother do? Brother thought his wife must have left town. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Go on, go on. So he went home and finally found the only thing that Daddy had left him, and that was a gun. Um, I, 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 I quit. You I know up. this. I know you know uh, of this. Of course I do. That's a night that the lights went out oh, in Georgia. I, it seemed too Vicky obvious because we've talked about it a million times, and I'm trying to remember, is that one of the lyrics? Yep. It was a gun. Oh, I, I'm I'm dying that I didn't get that's that. That's crazy. I thought that can't be it because that's too obvious. That's we so just crazy. About. Damn All it. Right. All okay, right. Okay, well. Damn it, see. damn it, damn it. All right. Sorry. <sighs> I thought that was a shoe-in. No, I Really, I know. Well, same with Hard Day's Night. I just thought that was a shoe-in. I wonder if this one's going to bust here. I used to hurry a lot. I used to worry a lot. I used to stay out till the break of day. Oh, that didn't get it. It was high time I quit it. I just couldn't carry on that way. No fucking clue what that Shit, is. Shit, really? <laughs> no idea. No, it was like playing on the radio like every hour on the hour. Now? Uh, well. Oh. Then, and, and well, now, kind of, you know, it's, it's around a lot. I used to hurry a lot. I used to worry a lot. I used to stay oh, until eagles. the break of day. Yeah. What's the song? 
in the long run. The long run. Oh, I'm sorry. But the thing is, is what? again, I don't know the lyrics. I mean, I know. I. It's weird because I can be like, not it. I don't know all the lyrics. Wow. It's tough. So, lyrics are tough, depending. I I know, but I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Uh huh. Okay, so that's was that two strikeouts for me? Uh, All I'm, right, and I, I'm not ho- I'm not hopeful anymore about the others either. So okay, <laughs> great. Sorry. Okay, come on, Angel. My heart's on fire. Don't deny your man's desire. <laughs> You'd be a You'd fool. You'd be a fool to, to stop this. Time. Spread your wings. Let me come inside. Cause why? Cause tonight's the night. Rod Stewart, I'm sorry. Yeah, I knew you'd get that. Well, I, I, I got two, right? I, that's I missed two. One. Okay, but you should have got that one. There was, I mean, that's your song. Uh, well, actually, I, I should have got what one? Um, the night's one. Oh yeah, yeah I know. Your, no, that's I, your total, jam. Total disgrace. Mine is <laughs> mine is some disgrace. Well, no, so. if it was the Beatles, that, that would be disgrace for you. But it's no, no. That's the song. I mean, I talk about it all the time. We right? love that song. Okay. okay, let's see if there's any way to get past the candy coated popcorn and the peanuts. I still remember that jingle. You know, candy coated popcorn, peanuts, and a prize. I don't know. No idea. Um, Cracker Jacks had a jingle. I think Barry Manilow wrote it. He wrote them all. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, here, you'll know this one. Tonight the music seems so loud. It's Careless Whisper. Thank you. There we go. See, I expected her to all react all of them like that. <laughs> that's George Michael. Yeah. I mean, that's Wham. I can't. Wham, thank you. It's I mean, wham. that's one of my favorite. Well, it's actually George. I'm a. I'm a I'm a pro on this. That's a George Michael solo track that was attributed to Wham, but it's not a Wham track. Oh. It appeared on Make It Big, but he considered it a solo track. Oh, it appeared on Make It Big, so yes. that kind of makes it a Wham track. But though. it's not. Okay. Which is very strange. But that That's the that's really the most powerful part, and I said, that's I'm going to go with that. And tonight, the, the music seems so I know she's going to get it then. Okay. So now, humiliation is mine. No, I don't think so. You got two already. Okay. Never more to go astray. This will be the end today of the wanted man. <laughs> now, this is not this is album rocks uh, song only. This is not uh, something that the general populace knows. That's uh, not top true. 40. I love um, this. I, this band is so popular. This song, I, I hear this song playing on playlists and, mm-hmm. and more it's the everywhere. Young, young people hang. It's a fantastic song called "Renegade." Uh, Tommy Shaw "Renegade" by Styx. Yep, I knew a, you'd get it. So that is three out of four for you. See if I can redeem my whole existence and my reputation. Yeah, let's let's as hope somebody this who is, likes music. Let's hope this is not a complete route here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Again, my belief is that the like with the long one, I started with the first lines. I think which that, make now that you say that. Yeah, I, that's it, hello. Careless whisper. It's not. No, but with it's some not. songs, the first line is the definitive line. That's right. Such as. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. <laughs> Elton John, Rocket Man. Zero hour, 9 a.m. <laughs> You're right. Elton she John, Rocket Man. Head. Yep, I mean, I hear it. Now, I, of course, I'm convinced that any real Rocket Man worth his salt would say, oh, 0900 hours. But oh, probably. Instead of 9 a.m., but, you know, he's a British Rocket Man, so I'm sure he's courteously dumbing it down for the Hoi That's Polloi. true. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, yeah. So, well, I figured, triggering first lines. But, All right, uh, so what did I get? One, right? Two. two. Two, right. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. What was the other one? Maybe <laughs> maybe it wasn't two after all. <laughs> Fuck if I know. Oh, careless Oh, you whisper. got Careless Whisperer. Yeah. I Care- got it like in like one George, second. George and Elton, man. I mean, come know. on. What what more do I need? You I know? mean, they're forever linked in my mind because George did that absolutely fantastic version uh, of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. I can't. Um, I still can't believe George is gone. Anyway. All right. So, wow. Well. I almost said they're both going to say, wait a minute, Elton's not Whoa, hey, whoa. <laughs> he's on tour. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone yeah. on tour. Yeah, he's gone on tour is what I meant. George Michael is gone. Right. So the next 
uh, artist is Faith Marie, which reminds me of your friend Diane Marie. Ah. So, when as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, Faith Marie!" And this song is "Never Mind," but it actually is NVM, but it's "Never Mind." And I thought NVM, little nondescript, so I would never mind. This is a a pop singer songwriter from L.A. Hell yeah, right uh-huh. here. So I'm hoping that uh, maybe we can go see her perform sometime. So let's listen to Faith Marie doing Nevermind. Will they understand? It's the question of a lifetime Trying to find the right words But what if they don't care? Never mind Dealt with it myself Hiding in the bathroom Wearing long sleeve shirts Scared of what I might do Never mind Sleep. 
So we just listened to Faith Marie with a song called Nevermind or NVM. So I love, love the low harmonies and it sounds like a distorted vocal, right? There's a little bit of distortion. I want to know what she is putting her vocals through because I absolutely love it. I love the effect and I love the harmonies. There's like these ghostly like echoes that just got me at the very beginning and what's weird is it's this very positive kind of elevated pop tune but then there's those ghostly parts and again it makes sense with the never mind you hear those little kind of very faint but ghostly vocals i mean what did you feel about those i mean do you hear the same thing i heard yeah uh, and I, i you know i've been trying to avoid saying spectral but you said ghostly thank you for that but the music was actually kind of spectral this time out. And like you said, it, it has this distorted, uh, slight echo, hollow kind of thing. You can picture yourself being in this big, stark, white, you know, almost like sanitarium type thing or something. It really has this uh, spooky, haunted house kind of a sound to it. Kind of like a wind-up doll feel. I don't know. There's something yeah, it has creepy that, about yeah, it. Yeah, it has that ding, 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 that toy box. I love it. Almost like a, a mocking. And when, when you... Take a childhood song that everybody knows, Merrily, Merrily, you know, uh, so creepy. row, row, row your boat, and say Merrily, Merrily, Nightmares all the time, you know. Yeah, so it's, creepy. Uh, it is so creepy. It is so, it's like one of those uh, one of those Alice Cooper kind of nightmare things, and I, I uh, loved it. It's a great vocal, ex- excellent vocal, and the arrangement is terrific, too. Yeah, I loved the piano. I feel like it's such an earworm. It's just, it adds that creepy element, but then it repeats um, and it just really stuck with me. And the drums and other instruments, they sound, it sounds like things are programmed, like, but this expert programming, expertly done. And I will say to me, this is like Billie Eilish meets Taylor Swift meets Katy Perry when she first came out and was better than she became later. I just hear a lot of really great things in this. And I love Billie Eilish and I love Taylor Swift. So I'm really loving this. And it is so catchy and it is so good. I was so, excited to receive this as a submission I believe it's from her record company or or something but it was just amazing so if you liked what you heard and it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't so go to facebook and find her at faith marie official oh and what is this it looks like a feature where's the surprise <laughs> that was genuine that was a genuine surprise it shouldn't have been but no no uh, I don't know why I was taken aback by that. It's very weird. All right. Now is a feature we've done a few times before called Danock It Teal You Crow. Hopefully you can figure that one out. You can uh, kind of decrypt that one there. For this feature, we tell you the origins, inspirations, and creation of popular songs. As much as I intended to eke by with the bare minimum, uh, considering the workload that's been placed on me this week, uh, the uh, things seem to have gotten out of control. There's been so. no workload. So basically what we're going to have here is the Hindenburg blowing up, landing on a train, causing it to wreck, then floating out onto the Titanic and sinking with it. This is a disaster they'll be talking about for centuries, uh, but <laughs> we'll try to keep it brief. In the, she's going like, why do you do that? Why? In the annals of classic rock... There are a few songs more played by radio stations and basement bands way out of their depth, and I know this firsthand, than the 1972 Deep Purple masterpiece, Smoke on the Water. Low-hanging fruit, fruit that's actually touching the ground. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I was trying to take it easy. I, mean, I, worked, I did actual work on History Strikes Back. So rather than dangerously overload myself, I picked something easy. Now, this is one that once you crow, the lyrics become Kestrel Clear. In fact, I almost did it as a Kestrel Clear. But I thought, no, you have to crow first. Mm. So... Uh, <laughs> you imagine somebody skipping around the dial and finding this, thinking, "What what kind of code are they using?" You know, uh, yeah. I mean, are they foreign <laughs> agents? Uh, I'd like to try to, to cr- de- crack this thing. You know, <laughs> you have to be a regular listener to, yeah. to crack the code, or you know, uh, somebody uh, concerned intelligence agencies. As long as you're listening hmm. there in Langley, Virginia, we're or fine with that. Uh, yeah, or you know, uh, Quantico or wherever you <laughs> might be. It's funny how everybody knows, just from watching TV, where CIA and the FBI are. That's These true, I nondescript know. nondescript Virginia cities. Uh, funny part about that is that anyone who actually doesn't know the story probably doesn't know the song either, as hard as that would be to imagine. Anyway, Deep Purple Mark II, consisting of Ian Gillen on vocals, Richie Blackmore on guitar, John Lord on keyboards, Roger Glover on bass, and the incredible Ian Pace on drums, was about to record its third album in that uh, incarnation. They'd Done quite well with Deep Purple in Rock, which some heretics claim is their best ever. And Fireball, what I'm sure they were not expecting was that events surrounding the recording of this album would inspire what would become their signature song. The surprisingly thorough lyric tells the whole story, really, and the song must have practically written itself, at least the words. I'll just read them real quick because as long as the song is, there are only three verses and a chorus. The runtime is largely due to the extended instrumental jamming in typical Deep Purple fashion. So... Quickly through the lyrics. We all came out to Montreux on the Lake Geneva shoreline. I mean, it's pretty specific, actually. To make records with a mobile, we didn't have much time. Frank Zappa and the mothers were at the best place around, but some stupid with a flare gun burned the place to the ground. Smoke on the water, a fire in the sky. Smoke on the water. That's it. So when it started to go down, it was December 4th, 1971, when Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention were playing a show at the casino in, uh, in Montreux. Oh. And um, so I, I always love it when bands name other bands or acts or something in their songs, but they pretty much had no choice on this one because it's a historical fact that the place burned down when Frank Zappa and the Mothers were playing. Uh, 80 minutes into the set, Don Preston was firing up his synthesizer solo during King Kong, and someone in the crowd fired a flare gun which quickly spread across the wooden ceiling, according to Ultimate Classic Rock. I did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it was about an incident, but I didn't know it was about a real incident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a real incident. Uh, wow. And I mean, they went there to record, obviously, without that song. Right. Yeah. yeah. The black smoke rising from the nearby Lake Geneva inspired the song's title. Oh. If the legend sounds too crazy to be true, just take a look at the lyrics for Smoke on the Water. Hmm. They burned down the gambling house. It died with an awful sound, which is it's funny. You think of gambling house, you figure some roadside place. You know, this is actually a huge, fancy casino. But at the time of the concert, Deep Purple was staying in Montreux, using a sound truck rented from the Rolling Stones to record songs. The band escaped their rooms without incident, but were not spared in witnessing the horrific scene around them, which we'll hear more about. This is going on on the second floor. There's a huge glass window, which covers the whole front of the building from one side to the other. The glass smashes to the ground as the fire is raging, and all the people in the front started jumping out. Oh, my god! The building was on the second floor, as I said, and at least a half a floor up, so it was a bit of a jump there. Yeah. You know? And oh. it was only after the fire spread to the building's heating system that the fire caused an explosion. Oh. Though nobody was killed in the blaze, the casino was completely destroyed. Of I mean, course. reduced to ashes. Oh, my God. As well as all of the band's equipment, except for, wait for it, a cowbell. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if it was Blue Oyster Cult, I could see that would be I mean, that would be amazing, yeah, yeah. actually. 
And uh, through all this, we learn of a fellow they call Funky Claude. Here's the line. They burned down the gambling house. It died with an awful sound. Funky Claude was running in and out, pulling kids on the ground. When it all was over, we had to find another place. But Swiss time was running out. It seemed that we would lose the race. Mm. And this is the world's introduction. Now everybody knows who Funky Claude is. Switzerland's greatest hero, second only to the man who invented the army knife. Funky Claude was Claude Nobbs, founder and general manager of the Montreux Jazz Festival. Ergo, Funky Claude. And why does he rate such heroic mention? Nobbs saved several young people who had hidden in the casino, thinking they would be sheltered from the flames. Nobbs, who had served as a volunteer fireman, knew the casino was actually not a safe place and acted immediately to get them out. So it would probably save their lives, you know. Uh, this act earned him a mention in the song. And uh, also, on the inner liner of the original album, his picture was the only one labeled with a name other than those of the band members themselves. So he's there right alongside the band. This is Claude Nobbs. So he's, uh, he's a real hero. And lots and lots of jamming, of course, in deep purple fashion. And the final verse. We ended up at the Grand Hotel. It was empty, cold, and bare, but with the rolling truck stones thing just outside, making our music there. With a few red lights, a few old beds, we made a place to sweat. No matter what we get out of this, ha, that's actually a lyric, ha, I know, we'll never forget. Well, as I said earlier, the resolution of the matter was they made the album they intended to make, plus a song that would never have crossed their minds if it didn't happen, of course, for real, unless they just made it up. Smoke on the Water recorded, as they put it, in the Rolling Truck Stones thing outside, the Rolling Stones mobile studio, uh, recording studio, which a lot of, if you look at your liner notes, a lot of records have been made there, actually. Uh, no matter what we get out of this, ha, I know we'll never forget. And that's for darn sure, because even in their extremist dotage uh, of old age, the last recollection that will flicker through their minds is that iconic tune. Why, even during Ian Gillen's brief tenure with Black Sabbath, they performed Smoke on the Water live on tour. It's just one of those songs. As far as I know, though, he is no doubt out there somewhere feeling a twisted sense of pride at having inspired this timeless gem with his recklessness. The identity of the stupid with a flare gun remains unknown. Wow. I didn't know it was based on anything real. Oh, yeah. I thought it was just a story. I learned something. Cool, dude. I learned something. Okay, our next band is Ronan Conroy. I mean, how great a name is that? So cool. And it sounds like a person, but it's the name of the band. And the song's name is Double Helix. Also a damn cool name and title, mm -hmm. rather, for a song. Oh, shit. And they are dark indie, alt-rock, and folk. That is what they call themselves, right? And I think it's a perfect combination. So let's take a moment and listen to Ronan Conroy.
Okay, so Double Helix. I have so much to say about this song. May I go first, sir? You may. So it's very new wave and goth, and I love the sound of this track from moment one. It's ethereal, but it's grounded. It's dark, uh, but it's poppy in all the right places and ways. It really is. The harmonies are so beautiful, and I hate to use this word, but it's just it's just the right word. They're haunting. They really are, and I love it. And here's what I hear. I hear Susie. I hear The Cure. I hear Joy Division. I hear Mazzy Star. I hear PJ Harvey with the side of Poe. I'm telling you, I just hear the best of all things. So it's a stunning song from a very gifted band that took all the best parts of the artist I just named and made it their own. This is an absolute breath of fresh air, and I am super standing. I just want to say it. Yes, and, and that's one of the interesting things about this is you don't know who you're listening to. Because the song started with this like 80s U2 kind of heavy you know, percussive drum thing. Uh, with the vocal treatment... And it's like you don't know who or what you're listening to, how many people you're listening to. So I thought, Ronan, that's like a man's name and everything, but this sounds female, but now it's the band name. That makes more sense. Heaven only knows who's doing these amazing vocals, but it was super powerful. Um, like uh, Yuki Kajura, a, a Japanese composer, who does like anime soundtracks that are really, really brilliant. And it's kind of like that because it has that otherworldly thing going for it. Uh, there's, I'm sorry, there's a lot of haunting out there. There's a lot of uh, ghostly out there, but you, that's what you folks are sending. So, But then it, uh, I mean, it's you know, it's classic post-punk, like you said, uh, you know, that kind of Curie type thing, but it, it has this spacey Pink Floyd flirtation in the middle, but then it grounds itself again because it doesn't need to do anything else. It's great at what it is, and this is a group you uh, suspect that one song's really not going to give you uh, a handle on their sound because they probably do a lot of other things. That's why this one stays almost entirely in its uh, in its you know sphere and does so brilliantly love it absolutely again just super happy to get these submissions and uh they hail from new york but the good news is you can find them on facebook at ronan conroy music and that's r-o-n-a-n-c-o-n-r-o-y music i'm glad you like them as much as i did i just think they have something really unique really beautiful They've taken all of these genres and really made them into something completely different. And I was just really blown away by that. So, all right. So from an amazing band to uh, what I hope will be a very interesting feature, I'm still standing, but this is the band edition. So for this feature, we discuss bands or artists that had near-death experiences and lived to tell their story. So, R.E.M., they were formed in 1980, and they're one of the most successful college rock bands of all time. And I will tell you, if I could earn the college rock banner, I would wear it with so much honor. <laughs> R.E.M. is one of the best college rock bands ever, and I really feel like they're one of the bands that actually created that genre of music. They're a rock band, but they're college rock. That means they're, for, they're smart people <laughs> band, you know, so... They sold more than 90 million albums in their 31 years together. The band broke up in 2011 and broke the hearts of their diehard fans, of which I am one. I was absolutely floored and saddened when they broke up, but I understand. So now that I told you a little bit about the band, let's talk about what happened. In 1995, the band was on tour in support of their album Monster. Again, one of my faves. And um, during this tour, three of the group's four members would have to undergo surgery. Wow. So that sucks. That's like a, oh, this sucks so bad. But 
Let's talk about when this all happened. Well, in Switzerland on March 1st, R.E.M. was playing to a crowd of 20,000. Bill Berry, then R.E.M. drummer, began to feel a throbbing pain in his head, which he assumed was a migraine. And I will tell you, migraines feel that way. Mm-hmm. About 90 minutes into the show, the 36-year-old collapsed. He was suffering from a brain aneurysm. He was taken to the hospital that night where he was told he had to have a craniotomy the following day. And let's just put this into perspective. The survival rate for a brain aneurysm is about 60%. Wow. So he easily could have died on stage. And then, as if that weren't enough, they took a few months off, right? So March. So in May, the band restarted their tour with Bill on drums again. So he was in good shape, but Mike Mills had to have surgery to remove an intestinal tumor. Thank goodness it was benign. Holy crap. And then finally, Michael Stipe would take his turn on the operating table in August for a hernia. Bill Buck was the only member that was not part of the Monster Tour curse. Now, sadly, again, for all of us, Bill Berry would leave the band in 1997 and has been retired ever since, but he's certainly still standing at 64. In fact, he enjoys standing on his hay farm in Farmington, Georgia. Interesting fact, Bill never enjoyed being a drummer. He says, it's not the most musical instrument. I've never written a song on a set of drums. He prefers the acoustic guitar, but admits he was not good at acoustic guitar, which is why he played drums. And as we all know, two things happened. One, they continued as a trio for a while. Then they got a new drummer, and sadly, he passed away relatively recently. So we still have the original four. They're still standing. They're still standing, and all four of them are still around. They just have retired from music in one way or another. Michael Stipe does his own thing on the side. Michael Mills does his own thing on the side. But they're never going to be R.E.M. again. I think they vowed not to get back together again, Mm. except when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I believe that they all got together again, including Bill Berry, for that show. But otherwise... They don't do a lot of so performing they, together. They played that then, or they just yes, show up? Yes, they played that. Oh, nice. Yes. Well, I, I remember, I don't know which member it was, but I remember the member, uh, a member, <laughs> saying um, around that time, because I used to hang out with this guy who was big, big, big REM fan. So the first few albums, what is it, like Murmur? Amazing, yeah. Uh, yeah There's so I, the, many. The first few albums I was very familiar with. I played them all. When, later on, uh, I didn't know their so, uh, stuff so much, but they are an amazing band. Uh, college, I never thought about that. I mean, it's, it seems almost a demeaning title. Why? But I remember one of the members saying, uh, calling it the aneurysm tour, and I knew that one of them had that, and now you, now you just told me who. But um, the aneurysm tour, very go- very ghoulish. But I, I, so this was throughout the tour in different stops. When you said Switzerland, I thought, oh, Lord, they're all going to end up getting surgery in Switzerland, whereas Deep Purple almost got, fr- and Frank Zappa almost got fried in Switzerland. It's just right, a place but, to stay away from. But they had but the it was, best the best brain surgeon guy there so it yeah. worked out really well yeah exactly yeah exactly and whoever the whoever the rest of the tour i'm sure they got the help they needed but three what are the odds i mean when you say three um band members are gonna uh, i did not know that story except for somebody had an aneurysm that's all i knew so if you say three band members needed surgery you assume it's one thing it happened all at once one fell swoop one accident or something like that nope months apart but, nope months apart uh just only one Within of them the same year. Yep. Monster tour indeed. Yeah, so Terrible. we have to go back because you said that it's kind of a demeaning. Why would college rock be a bad thing? Well, uh, I mean, it sounds very niche and it sounds very, I don't know, like uh, the kind of thing that 
people will move on from when they get older. Adults wouldn't listen to it and everything. And I just don't think that's, you know, I mean, 67 year olds probably still listen to REM as a, and college kids as well. So college rock to me sounds, like I said, very niche very, I don't know. Hmm. Like, ah, oh, you're going to outgrow it. It's just like, I don't it's know. just like, or that's where you found it. It's like I boy mean, band or something like that. But that's where you find it. You found it in college and then you continue to, I mean, they were around for 31 years. So that is, I amazing. think college yeah. is a place where your mind is more open to discovering new things. So if you go, if you're used to ex- music and then you go to college, you just start to learn more about music, different kinds of music you're exposed to. You know, stuff like jazz, you're exposed to all kinds of different things that change, I think, you forever. So to me, that is a badge of honor, and it's what got them where they are. I think I could be big on the college circuit. (laughs) I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I'd like to be big on the college circuit, but it's it's a very, I think, specialized place. And I do think it's thought rock. It's people who are smart, people who are open, and I think it's a badge of honor. So, um that's it's too bad that you think that, but I think it's a badge of honor, and I'd love to be first college impression, rock. Really, Punkin, first impression. I'd love to be college rock. I would love. I want to play on college campuses. I think they dig us. But anyway, I, su- I suppose it's uh, less of a of a dig name than yacht rock. You know? Yeah, I I don't want to be yacht rock. Um, so anyway, I'm still standing. They're all still standing, which is really really great, and nobody died. So that's wonderful. So now we have one more artist for you. Just one more. And this is Punk, and it's Monkey Mind with a song called Mr. Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, because I believe one of the band members' last name is Wright, and they are from Quebec. So here is Mr. Wright. Yeah. 
All right, that was Monkey Mind and Mr. Right. I'll let you go first. You are the biggest punk loving fan in the room. I can tell you that. Well, uh, yeah, I, you know it's funny because there's a lot of like the early punk stuff that I pretty much missed, but I do love punk. You're oh, absolutely yeah. right. And this one started out with uh, this. Well, besides the the guitars that we love I mean, so much, you know, fuck yeah, Dah! yeah. But the, that that '80s new wave bass. There's there's a school of bass playing like you heard in the music of Joe Jackson, and Elvis Costello. That's just fantastic. Oh yeah. I mean, better than you, you can't malign punk if it's got musicianship like this in it. It is. I wouldn't say that. I wrote here seriously. The first thing is solid ass musicians. Absolutely, and uh, the vocal is like. It's like an intelligent snarl. I mean, it it's like is. it's like yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a snotty punk, but yeah, you know, there's a. It's like to me, it's like you know, there's a uh, there's a keen intellect that is being reined in there to present it in this snarl, kind of like the Sex Pistols. I mean, if you really listen to them, John Lydon uh, wrote some strong lyrics and he delivered them in a very very sharp way. Absolutely, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. But the song has the, I mean, two and a half minutes, bang bang bang. The uh, Eminent singability of like Green Day. Oh yeah, and uh, I just want to say that it uh, kicked me in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and you're okay with that? Yeah, that, it, that's, I feel okay yeah, with that. That's that's a that's a that's not a complaint. No, and I I really liked the um, I kind of considered it phrasing the way he was delivering the vocals. So I wrote it as phrasing, but I like what you said about it, and I liked that they used the harmonies like deliberately and in certain places, places you didn't expect it. It wasn't in the same place every time. So I really enjoyed that, and I thought they were great, great um, harmonies as well. And um, I like that it's super high energy. Like, it kind of kept, it keeps you up, and it's just this, like, audio assault the whole way through, and then then you're just kind of done. It's a nice little outro with that makes you feel like it's going to go on for a while, and then just stops, Mm -hmm. which I always like. It's like they're just fucking with us, which is kind of fun. And, yeah, I definitely got the Green Day inspiration, which... We are both Green Day fans. Yeah, you in see, this that's room. a good coming from us. That's a good. We thing. are huge Green Day fans. So to hear that when I first heard it, I thought that yeah. too. I was like, oh. If you, I say if I say you're selling Blink 182, that's an insult. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> that's fighting words. But Green Day, hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah, Green Day is the shit. So I don't know who your influences are, but I will tell you, um, I think that uh, they would be very uh, honored to to be in the same sentence with you because we say, hey. You know, they took nods from you. They're inspired by you. I think they'd be like, hell yeah, we like to hear that, and we can hear that in that track. And they're known to bring people up on stage, too. Hell yeah. Yeah, have you seen that? You know, yes. Hey, kid, come on up here and play. <laughs> I love that. That's fucking amazing. So you can find Monkey Mind on Facebook at Lee, L-E-E, Monkey Mind. So thank you so much, Quebec, for that. <sighs> well, you know what? I'm getting a little sad. Uh-oh. I always do it this time, though. You know why? Um, it's like uh, the uh, I'm so glad we had this time together kind of thing. Carl yeah, Burnett, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, you see me? Don't do, do I look a little a little lower? Yeah, you seem to be uh, kind of a little crestfallen. Yeah, a little crestfallen, but what a wonderful ride! Three shows today. Three shows tonight. I have not had to resort to Morse code even once. Right, your voice held out like a champ all night. Crazy. I, I attribute it to the medicine ball. Starbucks medicine ball. Hell yeah. Only don't call it that. Don't Go call it soup. that. Call it citrus, honey, C- tea, honey, something. Mint, citrus, tea. Yeah, some shit Just like that. throw those words around. Yeah, just They'll say know honey, mint, honey, citrus, mint, citrus. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll get that yeah. for you. All right, so I'll turn it over to you. Hang on a second. Oh, this is a wrap-up. Okay. <laughs> it's a wrap, as they say in the movie biz. Uh, 
All right. Uh, so that uh, inexorably leads us to the time where we wrap up this puppy in a neat little blanket. Uh, coming up, winging it. And what the heck is winging it? Maybe you don't know. I'm uh, glad you asked. It's a short show about one music-related topic. No tracks, no features, just an informal chat where opinions and laughter are promised. And we offer up something new, anyway, every week. And we invite you to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Deezer, and many more. Always click subscribe and enable notifications. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Both On Air, B-O-A-F On Air. This is where we advertise our new themes. Is here for the first time, and she's telling me it's always been there. It's always been there. Always been there. Uh, tell you. <laughs> tell, not tells. Tells your friends. <laughs> Use tells your friends. Uh, sounds hey. like some cliche <laughs> movie. No, try again. <laughs> Don't say tells. <laughs> you leave that out? Are you kidding? Okay. Tell your friends in bands to send in their music for Christina to listen to. We want to grow. She's over here. Why are you saying that? Why? We want to grow our flock. I'm just, I don't want to take any credit for something I didn't do. I show up, folks. That's I say we in everything. Well, that I, I mean, say. It's, it's figuratively speaking. Uh, you acting as my liaison, as my attache, or, or I mean, you, not, you, wait, you <laughs> act, So basically, us, your slave, your servant. No, nothing like that, yeah. Uh, we need your help, okay, to grow our flock. Please share us on your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc. Feeds, whatever kind of feeds you might have where you feed people, feed them us. Uh, share your birds with the world. And um, I uh, I really don't have much else, um, so I suppose that only leaves for you to say. Let's get the flock out of here. <laughs> This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.